Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode for you today. Before we launch into the episode, I want to thank you for being here and for all the amazing comments and feedback that I've been getting on the show lately. It's heartwarming to say the least. So I do want to invite those of you who've not already done so to check out natnidham.com, my website, and to check out my newsletter. Maybe sign up for the newsletter because that's where you get to find out all the things that I write about and all the different biohacks that I discover along my way. And we also do reviews of podcasts and stuff like that. So we'd love to have you there. Also, that is where you'll find out about the BSP community, the Mighty Networks private membership community that I launched a little over a year ago now. We've had some amazing live Q&As with podcast guests. I do live Q&As myself. It's a beautiful community. I really encourage you to check it out. And it's still very affordable and definitely you might want to jump on it before maybe the price goes up. Okay. And finally, last but not least, remember to please leave us a review after listening to this podcast if you're feeling inspired. Those reviews is what help us to get seen. And of course, sharing the podcast with your friends, family, networks is a massive help as well. Before we jump in, did you know that one of the major factors contributing to poor aging is the presence of senescent or zombie cells? These cells are old and worn out, remaining in the body even after they've served their purpose, which basically drains energy as well as nutritional resources. And the older we get, senescent cells tend to accumulate more and more, leading to decreased energy levels, reduced flexibility, even physically, slower recovery after workouts, and what is commonly referred to as that middle-aged feeling. And who the hell wants that? Now, luckily, over the past decade, researchers have identified plant-derived ingredients known as senolytics that can aid in the natural elimination of senescent cells. And one product I really recommend in this area is Qualia Senolytic. I actually use it myself. Qualia Senolytic works like a monthly cleanse specifically designed for the aging process at a cellular level. All you have to do is take it for two days each month. I always take it the last two days of the month and you will experience the benefits of its science-backed vegan ingredients that help your body naturally eliminate senescent cells. The results can be remarkable, making you feel a decade younger within just a few months. So to try Qualia Synalytic for yourself with a 100-day money-back guarantee, visit neurohacker.com forward slash Natalie. And remember, Natalie's with an H, that's N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E. And by using the code Natalie, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E, you will receive a 15% discount off your first order. So once again, that's neurohacker.com forward slash Natalie for Qualia Synalytic and use code Natalie to enjoy a 15% discount. All right, let's talk about this episode. So have you ever heard of eccentric loading? So what is it? And what exactly does it have to do with maintaining muscle for longevity? So in this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast, I chat with Raj Chaudhry about eccentric loading. We delve into the health benefits of eccentric loading from targeting the crucial type 2B muscle fibers to the time efficiency of this training method, meaning you don't need to train a long time to get the benefits. I got to tell you, a 20-minute training session with Raj will leave you on the floor shaking. 
Uh, we will reveal the secrets to maintaining muscle mass for longevity as well as functional movement and how this can be achieved with only a few minutes of work per week. The conversation takes us into the world of functional fitness for longevity, the importance of preserving muscle mass as we age, and the limitations of traditional resistance methods. We will also discuss the exciting possibilities of high-intensity training, even for those with a busy schedule. To conclude, we'll explore the hormonal effects of eccentric training, particularly the natural production of growth hormone. Listened up, you guys, giving you another compelling reason to incorporate eccentric loading into your fitness regimen. Raj Chaudhry is a professional tennis coach, strength and conditioning coach with over two decades of experience working with numerous Grand Slam and WTA tour champions, as well as U.S. Federation Cup and Olympic teams. This guy knows of what he speaks. He is the inventor of the Synapse, an incredible tool that fits into a tiny little bag. It looks like a bunch of climbing ropes and pulleys, but it is incredible. It is powerful and it works to tap into all of the concepts we talk about today with nothing more than a door frame or a pole to use as an anchor. I did a workout with Raj at Venice Beach when I first met him and it was literally unbelievable. So to check out Synapse, go to synapse-ccr.com. And if you're interested in getting Synapse for yourself, you can use code NAT10 for free shipping and to have a one-on-one -on -one chat with Raj to get you started. Now, this is available for just the first 20 people. So if you have any interest in this, especially if you're a trainer, you guys, but even consumers who are motivated, you got to talk to this guy. He is amazing. Okay, one last thing before we jump in. Now that many of you have added nitric oxide to your daily routine and are already supporting healthy circulation, it's time to introduce some key brain ingredients to your brain. Berkeley Life's exciting new product complements their nitric oxide foundation supplement. The new product is called Cognitive Support, and it is centered around naturally optimizing your cognitive health. This new supplement is designed to support key brain functions like processing speed, psychomotor speed, sustained attention, and even composite and verbal memory. In other words, it's going to make you do it better at doing pretty much anything you need to do during the day. The best part is it's a natural stimulant-free formula that's been thoroughly researched and backed by science. Now, when you combine cognitive support with Berkeley Life's Nitric Oxide Foundation, you're in for an incredible cognitive boost. The two work together seamlessly to deliver essential ingredients like alpina, alpinina, galanga, and sulforaphane, as well as lutein efficiently to the brain, enhancing cognitive performance to its full potential with zero concern of caffeine crash or jitters. So you can access Berkeley Life by going to berkeleylife.com and make sure to use practitioner code N-I-D-D-B-L to place your order today. All right, let's jump into the episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Raj, it is such a pleasure to finally be recording this podcast with you. <laughs> How long has it been since since we first started talking about the podcast? It's been at least a year since your sister introduced us. It's been a little while, but you know, lives get busy, things happen, um, things yeah. happen in their in their pace. So I'm I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah, no, and I'm thrilled to have you. And and to your point, I think. This is even, it will be an even richer episode for the time that has passed for on both our parts, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, we are gathered here today to explore 
you know, it's, it's, I think, you know, it's possible that the title of this episode, which hasn't been created yet, may have the words secret weapon in it, because uh, <laughs> the type of training that we're going to discuss today is something that, you know, as you've explained to me, not many people think of and or tap into and in many in for many reasons, because it's either a not well understood or B, it's really tough to do. And what we're talking about is a, um, a phase of training called eccentric loading. And so before people scamper off going, oh, there she goes speaking Greek again, uh, maybe <laughs> what we'll do is explain to people what is eccentric movement or loading versus concentric. Because um, these are slightly technical terms, but frankly, it's as simple as, you know, curl, doing a bicep curl up or extending the arm. But I'm going to let you, the expert, ex take us a little further into this. Yeah. So that that's this will be the foundation of kind of where we're going to go for the rest of the conversation. And it's um, you, m many people have maybe heard the term eccentric, but essentially whenever we do any movement, there's there's basically three phases of movement. There's the concentric. So that's basically, as you referred to, if I do a bicep curl, if you notice the bicep is shortening. So the muscle fibers get shorter while they're under tension. That's concentric. We always think of that as kind of a lifting phase, right? The second phase is called isometric. That's where we basically hold something motionless. So there's tension on my muscle. So if I held the weight right here, there'd be tension on my muscle, but it's not lengthening or shortening. And right. so that's isometric, right? And then finally, there's eccentric. A lot of people refer to this as the negative. That would be after I've done my bicep curl, now I'm going to lower the weight. And what's happening during that time is the muscle fibers are actually lengthening while they're under tension. And that's the eccentric phase. So if that's an intimidating term, it's it's really just the negative. I mean, most yeah. people know what the negative is. That's that's pretty pretty much an easy way to think about it. Perfect. Yeah. So doing negatives in the gym and for the serious lifters, what they'll do is they'll actually get somebody to help them to kind of, if we're still talking about a bicep curl, cause it's a very familiar movement for most people. So they'll help people, they'll get, have someone there to help them pick up two dumbbells, let's say, or lift a barbell into that curl position that they wouldn't be able to curl on their own. And the negative is them as slowly as they possibly can lowering that weight down to a neutral position or until the arms are fully extended. Right. Right. Yeah. No. So that's, so that's what we would call an accentuated eccentric load. And, you know, that's, that's like, we skipped, maybe skipped ahead one step because I just want to make one point <laughs> that's maybe not um, super obvious to everybody. Um, the eccentric phase of movement is, you know, when we think about the negative, that's happening in our daily lives all the time. Every time we walk downstairs, that's an eccentric load because we're catching our body weight on the way down. And the interesting thing about the eccentric phase of movement is that it's substantially stronger than the concentric phase. So in, in, in a simple example, if I can lift 100 pounds up, that means I could probably lower anywhere between 130 and 165, 70 pounds on the way down mm. because I'm just that much stronger. There's a lot of uh, physiological things that happen that make us stronger on the eccentric phase of movement. And so that's why when we, when we do the eccentric phase of movement, we're so much stronger and traditional lifting doesn't tap into that. Right. Um, we right. don't get to that potential level. So what you're referring to is a pretty advanced weightlifting technique where you get a couple spotters to help you lift a weight that you cannot lift 
And then you lower that to the best of your ability. And that's called an accentuated eccentric load in AEL. So actually when we're running, that is an eccentric eccentric load every time you land. If you weren't able to support more weight on the on the way down than you could pushing off, you'd collapse every time you landed. Well, that's true. So ultimately, right? When you talk about going downstairs and you're exerting more load, that actually makes total sense. Like we have to be able to resist more weight exactly than, right. than we can lift. That's exactly right. And if you think about it, you know, if you were to jump off the ground and when you land, there the the, the forces when you land are orders of magnitude higher because you're talking about you've just thrown your body weight into the air and now it's your body weight accelerating at 9.8 meters per second squared towards the earth. And then when it lands, it's, you're having to absorb all of that. And, and as a result, because the forces are so much higher in the eccentric phases, when we're changing direction, stopping, walking downstairs, those are generally where injuries occur. That's where breakdown occurs because mm-hmm. we can't absorb those forces. We're not, our joints aren't ready for it. Our muscles don't turn on fast enough. There's, you know, there's a wide variety of reasons why we might get injured, but typically the eccentric phase is one place where we get into trouble because if we're not capable of absorbing those higher forces, that can cause a problem. Right. And also it's where misalignments really get accentuated, right? Like I know that, you know, if you watch somebody running down the street, like sometimes you see joggers and, you know, it's not in, and not in a judgy way, but you can see someone who's running and who's obviously knock need. Or you can see, you know, kind of these weird patterns in their gait. And you can literally, a professional would probably be able to call out the injuries that this person's going to be seeing at some point down the road. It's a little bit like, you know, your your car wheels. If they're not aligned properly, the tires are going to wear out unevenly. And eventually you're going to get a problem. Um, and And I think on the eccentric load to your point, on the eccentric phase to your point, you're going to get more, that's where, it, because there's more pressure involved, that's where we're going to see the injuries, you know, we could see injuries start to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a there's a threshold for everything that we for do, sure. right? So if I'm, you know, if, I, if, if, if I've got a weak wrist and I'm lifting a, you know, a one pound weight, the wrist may not have any kind of an issue. I might be able to do that for a week and be like, yeah, my wrist is fine. But if I put a 25 pound weight in that wrist and there's some lack of integrity in that joint, then we might begin to see problems start to show up or we might, you know, might be an overuse or it might be something a little bit more acute that can show up in those positions because under those loads, we're just not ready for it. Okay. So, so we now understand what eccentric phase is where do we go from here? Like, I think that, you know, you started, you started working with, I mean, your, your sweet spot in training really is, is in the tennis world, right? Like that's, that's your world. And when I first met you, you were spending a lot of time still in that world. I think you still do to a large degree, but you, at what point, like, when did you design we're going to end up talking about synapse, but I but I want to talk a little bit about where you were seeing the need for developing something to to speak to a need. So my background, as you mentioned, is uh, professional tennis. I coached on the professional tour for about twenty years, um, and in that time span, I also took on the role of strength and conditioning for my athletes. 
And one of the challenges that was one of the reasons I did that was because I, I tended to see a gap between sort of the fitness training that they were doing and the transfer to their actual sport. That's a big challenge for sports always is that, you know, you can get stronger. Does that necessarily translate into playing better? Not always. Mm -hmm. It depends Mm -hmm. on, you know, depends on the sport, but tennis is a very skill-based sport, but you do need the physical aspect of it. But just like anybody else, you know, you're constantly doing research to improve your knowledge and understanding of how to, you know, get better performance or better health for people. I was looking for more ways to be more efficient and get that, you know, extra couple percentage points for the athletes that makes a difference. And I kept stumbling across, uh, in studies, something called super maximal eccentric training. So we're just going to stack another term on eccentric super maximal, meaning more than I can handle essentially. So, uh, I would super maximal loading means I'm going to lift, I'm going to put a weight on me that I literally cannot withstand. Um, so there's all kinds of benefits to that and we'll get into all of those, but I wanted those benefits for my athletes. But the problem was that I couldn't justify putting them at that risk. You know, so if I've got a weight overhead and I need 150 pounds to overload this athlete, you know, I, whatever the benefit is, if something goes wrong right there, you know, that could be the end of a career that could be, you know, just the risk was too high. So then the endeavor became, how do I, how can I tap into some of those benefits for my athletes in a way that doesn't put them at that risk? And that's kind of how this whole pathway for me began. It began as a little personal experiment for my athletes. And we started uh, working on, on ways to get those benefits. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe this is a good moment to start talking about why we would think about doing that. I was exactly going there because I'm like, we're talking about muscle, 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 but I think there's, you know, there's something to the name and there's a lot more benefit to this type of training than there is just a pure muscle fibers. And so maybe we can expand on that a little bit because this, we're now moving into neurological benefits and patterns of movement and many other aspects and and how this now it transfers from the elite sport world into regular people world and longevity space and rehab space, like it trickles down into so many different areas of movement that are so critical for just our general health and well-being. So let's go back, move from muscle to, to some of the many different benefits and reasons why this is this is so important. And if you're not a professional athlete, you should not step away from on the podcast right now because this is where it's going to be really meaningful to you. Yeah. So this is where it gets fun. So it was just, you know, all this exploration was designed for high level sport and athletes. And you know, there's a big role there. Um, when we started to get into it even further, we started to realize, okay, there's all these other avenues of application that, that really are valuable for all different demographics of the population. So the first thing that, that I, if you don't mind, I'd like to stick with muscle for one second because sure. there's just a few very unique aspects to eccentric loading that happen. Yep. So one of the things that happen with eccentric overload in particular is that on that eccentric phase, we talked about the muscle lengthening. So your muscles work with actin and myosin. They're just these cross bridges that, that lock together and they sort of overlap and they pull together. And that's how your muscles contract. That happens thousands of times in each muscle fiber and that's how your muscles contract when we go through an eccentric load what happens is that actin and myosin is trying to hold on for dear life they're really trying but we're literally pulling them apart right 
And so the way the body adapts to that is that it adds cells in series. So it actually lengthens the muscle itself. Hmm. So there's all kinds of research around how um, eccentric loading is actually much more efficient and effective at flexibility and mobility than regular stretching. I was actually about to ask you, like, is it almost like, it's almost like a way of active stretching. Exactly right. And so your couple things are happening in that when you're doing that, you're, you're, you're eliciting a longer muscle fascicle in your actual muscle. So you're not just pulling on the origin and insertion of the muscle. You're actually lengthening the muscle body itself. And in those end ranges, because you're under load, you're still encouraging strength. So a lot of people, I've seen this in, in the athletic world a lot, where people start a very rigorous stretching program, they'll be very excited because they feel like they're going to gain this extra range of motion, et cetera. And it's great. I, I got nothing against stretching. I'm not, I'm not against it in any way. <laughs> yeah. But you gain this new range sometimes without the neurological control of that range. Mm. And when that happens, I've got maybe three or four extra degrees that I can go with my shoulder, but I don't have the strength to support that. And so when we do these eccentric loads, we're naturally picking up the strength in those ranges as we expand those ranges. So that's a big benefit, right? So one of the cool things about doing some of the eccentric training is you don't have to get off there and then go stretch for the next 20 minutes. Like you can do your workout and you save that time because you've really done the benefit of that stretching. Again, please don't misunderstand. I, I don't have any issue with somebody going out to stretch. If that's your thing, go for it. And there's definitely benefit to that. So, but this is a very efficient way of getting sort of all of that in one. So that's sort of the big bang stuff for the musculature. And one more point about the musculature, and this goes across athletes and sort of any demographic graphic for longevity, we have multiple tiers of muscle fiber. And so the highest order muscle fiber we have is called a type 2B or type 2X muscle fiber. Now these muscle fibers are like the most metabolically expensive muscle fibers that we have. And they really only turn on in a few different instances. Um, when you lift something really, really heavy, when you do something ballistic or when you do something eccentrically. Mm. So what happens when we do this eccentric loading is that it, it actually preferentially targets type 2B muscle fibers. And the benefit of that for an athlete is those are our explosive muscles. We want those for jumping, sprinting, doing things quickly and being reactive. But from the average population, if you're not an elite level athlete, there's big benefit in that because those are the muscle fibers that we start to lose as we age. And those are really valuable to hang on to and preserve. So eccentric loading can actually help preserve those, um, those muscle fibers so that we hang on to muscle as we get older. And that's one of the biggest predictors for longevity is how much muscle mass you can hang on to. Yeah. So that, that has a big benefit from that. So I know we said we weren't going to talk a lot about muscle, but those are some of the finer points about eccentric loading that actually are distinct from your actual regular lifting resistance yeah, training. And, and I also think like from an aging perspective, <clears throat> like these are the muscle fibers and you had mentioned this before we started recording, like these are the muscle fibers that are being going to be important for your stability, for your mobility, for, 
for functional movement. Like, you know, this whole issue of maintaining muscle as we age gets really becomes contentious, right? Because people are saying, well, if you want to live a long time, you can't stimulate mTOR. And so therefore, you know, stop eating so much protein and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, dude, I don't want to live till I'm 90 if I'm going to be a noodle. Like it has no value. (laughs) Right. And at the same time, I don't need to be a bodybuilder either. Like, I mean, I think that for longevity, the point people always love to oversimplify stuff. Right. And it's not, should you be muscle bound or should you be a noodle? It's how much lean mass do you need and functional lean mass at that so that your body can perform for you all of the functions that you needed to do so that you age well, maintain your independence, your mobility, so that you can go hiking when you're in your 80s and be happy doing it kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's one of the really cool things about being able to safely do some of this eccentric loading is that most of the research around it is that the dosing of it is really quite small. You don't have to do a tremendous amount of it to get the benefit out of it, but you have to do it with a certain amount of intensity and with some frequency. And, you know, I think there, there is a study on elderly men that, that literally did across eight or 12 weeks. Now I'm going to, I have to go look at it again, but it's, uh, that, that the length of the study was eight or 12 weeks, but they did something like 90 seconds of total work across that time. So they literally did three seconds of an eccentric. They had a leg press machine that was basically on a a pneumatic machine, basically. And they just pressed their legs back and they just resisted it to the best of their ability. It took about three seconds for that to happen. They did a set of like uh, eight or 10 and then they, they rested for two minutes and then they did another set and that was it. They did that a couple times a week for eight to 12 weeks and their their, their blood markers improved, their strength improved. There's all kinds of positive impact from a very low investment in time. And I think that's one of the things that attracted me to, mm-hmm. to this type of training as well, because uh, in my world for a professional athlete, time is everything, right? Like recovery time, every minute is valuable towards that ultimate goal. But you don't have to be a professional athlete to value time. I mean, everybody, yeah. you know, who has who has the time to get to the gym for, you know, six hours a week? You don't, you know, most people don't, um, unless that's their passion. And just as an example with these tennis athletes, we would, you know, train three, three to four and a half hours a week off the court for just to keep them fit for their sport. When we started using these training techniques, it really, we were able to maintain strength and sometimes improve it during season in the course in a half an hour a week and it sounds a little bit crazy to think about but when you know I think you've experienced this now you there's there's a level of intensity that can't really be understood until you do it um that then that translates yeah and I think for the people listening if you've ever I think the closest thing people will come to this because it kind of is the it is this type of training is the ARX machines right those yep those ARX machines essentially are going to challenge they're going they are they do challenge that eccentric phase it's literally you pushing out as much weight as you can let's say on a leg press and that machine pushing back at you and you fighting with everything you've got to prevent it from pushing back and and there is a piece to eccentric training where it's how much you put into it right you you kind of have to be a little bit of a stubborn type A type of person to say, I am not giving in to the whatever 
I'm going yeah. to hold this thing off because you get people who are just like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Okay. I, I give, but in that case, you know, that is what it is. But for the person who is, who wants to fight it and really get the benefits to your point, you don't need a lot. You don't need much time to, um, to, to reap the benefits if you're truly overloading the, the yeah. circuits, as it were. And what's really, what's, what's, I'll, I'll take that even one step further in that. So there's something called RPE in the fitness world, rate of perceived exertion. Mm-hmm. So a lot of exercises are based on what's your RPE, you know? So when we're doing this type of training, what, what's crazy about it is that, so this eccentric load, you know, there, there's a super maximal, which is really, really difficult. And what you're referring to, and a sort of very big bang um, stimulus you can give your body. It, there's, there's a lot of things that happen when you give it that stimulus. One of the cool things about eccentric loading is that we're, we're so much stronger there is that even for like sort of older populations or stroke victims or um, people that have difficulty with resistance training is they can, you know, if I do a negative on this, my perception of how hard that is will not reflect what the weight is. So like, let's say I can lift a, you know, a 20 pound weight and that's hard for me. I might be able to lower a 30 pound weight. And I think that's like 50% effort. Like, I don't think that's that hard. So if I can get that person to lower that weight, help them up again with it and lower it again, they're going to get a lot of benefit out of it. And so for people with like a, a respiratory issue, you know, that can't really work out hard because mm-hmm. their, their respiratory system or their cardiovascular system cannot support that. That puts them in a dangerous zone. They can do eccentric only training because it doesn't have the same oxygen consumption necessary. It doesn't elevate um, all of these factors that could put them at risk. So they can continue to hold on to muscle without putting themselves at risk. So again, now, now we've kind of gone that gamut, right? From mm-hmm. somebody who's suffering from a uh, metabolic challenge or, you know, all the way through an elite athlete and kind of everybody in between that can, that can use this modality of training to improve their function. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's pretty cool. Okay. So can we get to the brain now? Can we get to the neurological? Yeah. (laughs) So, so, so let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. So this is, so, um, this is where, you know, for me personally, it's kind of the really interesting aspect of this kind of training because, you know, it's like, you know, going in, anybody can go into the gym and crush somebody like that, that happens. Right. I mean, that's, that's not that big of a deal, but eccentric loading has some very specific, uh, neurological um, impacts that are valuable. So one, anytime you lift something heavier, you're, you're going to get a uh, better neural organization. In fact, when most people start lifting weights or doing resistance training, in the beginning, you'll, you'll usually see them increase their weights very quickly. And most people are like, oh, I'm getting so much stronger and you are getting stronger. But usually the brunt of that is the fact that your nervous system is just getting more efficient. You haven't put on new muscle fibers yet. Your muscle, you're, you're asking your nervous system to do something. Your nervous system has now figured out, this is how I do this more efficiently. And mm-hmm. so it takes less resources to get the same result. So it feels easier to you and you can lift more weight. So, and then that sort of fifth or sixth week happens. And that's when people tend to get frustrated because they're like, I'm not going up in weights anymore. Like I was going yeah. up in weights and now I'm kind of stuck. Right. And that's where a lot of people end up you know, maybe stopping their, their fitness training. And what's happening at that point is now you've maxed out your nervous system. 
and your body actually has to start building muscle. And that's a time intensive process. You need all the right building blocks and all of those things. So when we do eccentric loading, what we're doing is we're challenging that nervous system on a higher degree. So you get this intramuscular coordination and you, you basically get that nervous system to get more and more efficient at doing that task and preparing it. So it recruits more muscle fibers and it actually starts to recruit something called muscle irradiation where if that muscle fiber cannot handle it, it will start to reach out and start to do that. So when you start to train eccentrically with heavy loads, you probably experience this, but you know, if I'm doing this, this is, you know, a shoulder tricep exercise, but you start to get activation through through your trap. (laughs) You know, a, a lot of things start to act up when you're doing that. And so you get this muscle irradiation. So you're training that nervous system. And then something that we kind of chatted about earlier was, you know, in, in the case of an injury, what happens is, is that the brain, the nervous system automatically puts in these inhibiting, in, inhibitory signals so that we protect that area. So if I've got a shoulder injury, you know, my brain will say, no, that's going to hurt. I'm not going to let you do that as freely because you might end up hurting something. So it's for your own good, basically, that your nervous system is trying to protect. And so you get these changes in movement patterns and activations in the nervous system around an injury, and that makes it difficult to rehab. So you rehab the strength, but that last percentage is getting the nervous system to accept, hey, I'm free to now let go of that. I don't have to restrict anymore. And that's that sort of last threshold before full function is available to you. So one of the things about long-winded speech, but one of the really cool things about eccentric loading is that it actually activates the brain in a different way. So it, it's, it's a much more complex movement for the brain and it requires a different neural strategy. And as a result, those inhibitory neural pathways don't light up as much when we're doing the eccentric load. So if we do that movement, so like I'm injured doing this, if I actually get pulled into that while I'm resisting that, that's an eccentric movement. And that doesn't allow those inhibitory pathways to get as excited. And so the normal pathways get reinforced a little bit better. So that's one of the ways that we can maybe hasten a recovery process to full function with eccentric loading. Did all that make sense? That was, I know I just spoke for a little while. Was it, yeah, no, that that's okay. I think I think the the challenge is, you know what, guys, you may want to check this out on YouTube because Raj is demonstrating movement quite often as he's speaking, which makes total sense. Um, but I think part of part of what we're talking about also is because you're under load as you're retraining the proper movement after an injury. You're doing it in a controlled fashion. You're under load. And now either you and or you and your trainer can make sure that you're going through the proper range of motion. You're not kind of doing that little hitch to like, you know, like somebody's trying to protect, let's say, a shoulder so that if you watch them, they're going to like lift the shoulder or turn it in to protect it and then finish the movement, which ultimately either exacerbates the injury or allows it to come back at some point because you're no longer in that natural, in that normal movement that, that you should be in kind of thing. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, thank you for adding to that. Um, I think the, the, the thing that we're referring to right now is really a little bit specific to, to synapse and, and that's because it's very difficult to accomplish those movements in a loaded fashion with traditional resistance methods, whether it be bands right. or weights, you know, those are great tools. Um, but 
to get what we're talking about, those eccentric loads through those ranges of motion with the proper force vectors is hard to get uh, with traditional equipment. And you do need somebody who does understand where those compensations are going to come into, you know, like, you know, you do need somebody who says, Oh, you know, I saw that shoulder hike up that we want that here because, you know, as soon as we start to pinch the AC joints, not the, the shoulder's not going to function as well. So you do need that proper, uh, from, from a rehab standpoint, somebody who can actually pick up on that and understand how to make sure you move properly. Yeah, no, and and I love that. And the you know bringing the neuro bringing the neurological piece into any conversation around fitness, I think, is really important because we forget we forget that um, that actually as we age, part of losing lean muscle losing functional muscle is a neurological issue where the nerves are no longer innervating the muscle in the same way. We lose coordination because of that. Like our nervous system yeah. is no longer at, as efficient at sending the signal to all the muscle fibers to get them to do what they do. And so, you know, as a matter of fact, gait is a massive predictor of aging, right? And we yeah. can see it in, in, and it's funny because I, I see, you can see two 80 year old people and one person is going to look like a thousand years old. And the other person, if you're just looking at their movement, doesn't look anything like 80. Yeah. And you know, you, you speak to an interesting point because it's, it's a bit of a vicious cycle from a longevity standpoint because it happens to everybody as we get older. It's sort of like, oh, I used to play this sport, but now mm -hmm. it hurts, right? So we, we we start to trim down the activities that give us the stimulus that would actually help us hang on to those muscles and those neural connections. And so, you know, it's like, oh, I used to do this. Now I do this, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just start to whittle down and sort of a decade or 15 years into that process, we're walking as our exercise. And again, walking great exercise, yeah. but from a, Not from a stimulus standpoint, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, I would encourage anybody daily walks are fantastic, but from a, from a standpoint of activating type two B muscle fibers, referring back to what we spoke about earlier, it's actually not sufficient. It, it will not do that. So you get into the cycle where you start to reduce the stimulus that you can put into the system. And as a result, the system kind of down regulates, right? Because Absolutely. you're not bending those muscles and eventually you start to atrophy. And you know, that happens to that. It's a natural process that happens to all of us as we age to some degree. And so we can stave that off a little bit longer by making sure that the nervous system is constantly saying, Hey, these pathways are being used. We need to hang on to them. Hey folks, a quick message about my favorite supplement on the planet and what I talk about at almost any conference that I'm presenting at, and that is bioregulator peptides. These are tiny proteins, just two to four amino acids long that help to regenerate your tissues, glands, and organs at a cellular level. So there are specific bioregulators for the heart, the lungs, the brain, the central nervous system, the pineal gland, your pancreas, I mean, the list, there's 21 of them, and each one targets those tissues and helps them to rejuvenate and restore function at a cellular level. To get your hands on these bioregulator peptides, go to profound-health.com and use code LONGEVITY15 to save 15% off your first order. Now let's get back to the episode. I keep saying to people, and I think, you know, this is a very common theme that people talk about muscle like functionality is one of those muscles expensive to the body. Mm -hmm. 
And our bodies are nothing if they're not efficient. And if it doesn't think it needs something, it's really good at purging stuff that is expensive. Unlike me, who will hang on to things forever. <laughs> ask, ask my husband. We're yeah. trying. We're moving out of a house we've been in for 23 years right now. He's like, you haven't looked at that in, in 10 years. I'm like, yes, but I might need it one day. Your body doesn't think that way. Your body's yeah. like, dude, you haven't used this muscle in forever. We're paring it back. That's <laughs> and, right. And, and, and that, rebuilding and that becomes... later is harder. <laughs> Exactly. That's the, that's the toughest thing is because it starts to become harder and harder to get a stimulus that will actually, and, and you're, and you're, you know, there's many other reasons as we age that we're a little bit disadvantaged. We're, we have less propensity to be able to put muscle on yeah. at those stages hormonally. And for, for many different reasons, as you're probably more aware of than I am, um, but you know, it gets a little tougher. So preservation is the name of the game for longevity in that, in that world, you know, building is beautiful, but if you can preserve oh, yeah. for longer periods of time, the muscle mass that you have without it sort of getting called back, um, you know, you're going to have, again, it's not just, you're going to live longer, right? That's, no, that's you're going to live goal. better. You're going to live you're, better. You know, <laughs> for the time that we're on, you're going to get to do more of the things that you enjoy doing. And, you know, that's at the end of the day, I think what we're all after. Absolutely. Right? I love it. Okay. Well, listen, we've, we've, we've explored the concepts. I'm sure we could go deeper, but let's not go too deep into the weeds for the people. Let's talk a little bit about what synapse is, because I do think that this is a, it's a different approach and it's a more functional approach in a way than the machines, for example. Right. I mean, there's no doubt if anybody listening to this have, has ever had the opportunity to get there, get into an ARX machine, it is it is a humbling and incredible experience. But you're relegated to linear movements. You're pushing, you're pulling in a in a single plane, right? You're yeah. either doing a leg press or a chest press. You might be a shoulder press, whatever the case may be. But that's it. When it comes to the synapse, quite apart from the fact that it weighs what two and a half pounds or something, and yeah fits into a tiny corner of your bag that that's not even its superpower its superpower is that it takes you through a natural it, it can take you through a natural and full range of motion that there's literally i'm not aware of any machine that can do that and so it, it both from the uber athletes perspective which is why you know, you've moved from the pro tennis world into the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, like all of these people, eventually their strength and conditioning coaches find their way to you and are like, okay, show me how to use this thing because they can train, they're able, they find that they can train better performance, not to mention avoiding injury or rehabbing from injury or whatever the case may be. But, but there's, but the, because of the way the synapse works, yeah, and it, and you you know what, guys, you've got to go to Raj's website, which will give you the the link afterwards, and see some of these videos because it's literally almost impossible to fully explain in words what you can do. And I'm going to let Raj have a go at it because he's way better at it than I am. <laughs> but let's talk a bit about Synapse and how really it brings into the real world this concept of training the eccentric phase. Yeah. Well, thanks for all of that. Um, so the synapse was born out of this desire to get these benefits without 
the risks. So um, you, you mentioned, you know, this is, this is it, right? This is a, it's a two pound package. Um, this is what it is. There's actually one set up. I'm in a hotel room in LA. Nice. That's it set up on the door. So, you know, this is how I traveled with my athletes for, for years. Uh, and we use it basically like you see it right there. Um, and what it does is, so, so there's no weights and the, you know, it looks kind of like a suspension trainer or band, but basically it's a mechanical advantage system. So we create a mechanical advantage that uh, one side has. So let's say I'm working this side, this side is mechanically advantaged. So I can produce a tremendous amount of force with this hand and this hand uh, is working really hard, but it's very easy for this hand. Sounds a little bit weird. So go ahead. Okay. Can I jump in here? So basically yes, what, what Raj is saying is what this is composed of is a system of ropes, right? So they're, they're yep. ropes and pulleys. And imagine that you have a rope and pulley system that is very minimalist. It's anchored to your doorway by closing the door. Um, and there's two handles to this rope and pulley system. So as you pull with one arm, the other arm is resisting to the best of its ability. So this is this is kind of because you were saying as I do this with this hand and that with that hand, yeah. everybody who's listening is going, I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, so, what is he talking about? So once so again, I'm, I'm going to send you guys to YouTube because Raj is about to do another demonstration. So I do encourage you to go to YouTube. But when he's saying this and that, it's because he has a handle in each hand. Yeah. Okay, so Raj, go. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a, a real a quick and dirty because you know there's um, you know just. We talked about this before. There, there, there's a very lengthy certification process. It's like you know hours and hours of exploration of how to use this piece of equipment. But the basics of it is, you know, we talked about a bicep curl. So if I'm in this position, I'm pulling with this hand, right? This is my control strap, and basically, as hard as I pull with this hand right here, no matter how hard I pull, this other hand pulls away, and it just opens that arm up. So that's that eccentric overload. No matter how hard I resist, I can't win. It's a four to one mechanical ratio. So if I'm pulling with 25 pounds on this hand, that's a hundred pounds on this hand. So it creates this weird system. And look, I mean, I can demo it all day long. Most people don't quite get a full grasp of it until they experience it. And that's okay. I mean, that's just part of the deal. Um, and it's counterintuitive because it's not how we normally train. Um, no. Normally we relax on the eccentric because we'd have to, so the weight can return to its original position. Here we're resisting it that whole time. We're fighting it and we're getting literally peeled open. Um, yeah, that's, and that's exactly what, what it feels that. like. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, that takes a lot of stability in the rest of your body. So, you know, to hold those forces, your legs have to stabilize, your hips have to stabilize. There's all kinds of sort of full kinetic chain benefits that you get out of that. And so, um, basically, you know, this allows us, uh, they're, they're just like with any piece of equipment, there's some limitations with how to do it. One of them is the learning curve on this. And two, um, you know, oftentimes people get concerned with ranges of motion, but there's so many ways we adapt this piece of equipment. So the way the, the, the baseball players use it versus, um, you know, the, the tennis players versus the swimmers, it, they, they all use it very, very differently. And that's, what's fun about this is that once you understand the basic concepts, you can overlay that onto sort of any movement pattern that you want to, uh, to help improve that function. Not, not always just function, but going back to that neurological aspect, it's not just strength, but oftentimes it's 
a, a kinetic awareness of mm-hmm. what you need to be doing to execute a movement. Yeah. Um, and that's where it comes in really handy for a lot of these high level athletes. It's not just the strength, which is really efficient, but it's also that refined internal understanding of what's necessary for them to accomplish the movements that they want to get done. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, those are such good points, right? So by using synapse, just to recap, you will get stronger and you will also be able to refine movement patterns to make, to bring integrity to them in a different way. Um, but you know, when you talk about the four to one aspect, one thing I want to bring up is when we met last year, um, was it in Venice beach? Yeah, I think it was Venice beach. We were at a gym and you had TJ who was taking us through the gym, go to do a shoulder press and TJ let's be fair is a big, strong dude. I I'm neither big nor particularly strong nor a dude. <laughs> and <laughs> and to demonstrate his point, what Raj did is he handed me the control uh, strap. So I was the one who was going to decide whether TJ was going to be able to push, like, I think it was lower, either do a shoulder press or bring it down. Yeah. I was in control and I had two fingers on that strap and I could decide. <laughs> It was quite yeah. feeling of power. It was quite interesting because and you had it's, to see the look on TJ's face, actually. <laughs> it's actually quite funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you experience that. And it's fun to see because, um, you know, I myself, I weigh about 140 pounds. I'm not a huge guy. But, you know, being able to work out these really huge individuals on this is 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 it's interesting and and it's always kind of funny when people get on that control strap because it is um it's 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 a little bit of a, a power trick <laughs> it is i was sitting yeah. there going oh look at me two fingers <laughs> yes are you even pushing on this thing tj i don't know i don't think you're working too hard meanwhile he's turning yeah. colors <laughs> yeah 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 and that's, that's and that's it's, it's always when people have their first interaction with snaps is usually sort of like, wait, what's happening here? Because it shouldn't be like that. Um, but you know, we're joking around that, but, but that's the cool part about it is that he was able to give his max effort. You were able to, you know, that's one of the neat things about it. If you, if you choose to use the synapse in, in partner mode, it's kind of fun because like, you know, if I went to go work out with TJ, you know, as we referred to him, he's a big, strong guy it would take three hours for us to work out because he would do a set. I'd have to take all the plates off (laughs) and do my set. And then we'd have to put all the plates back on and he'd do his set. You know, it would just take forever. Whereas here, you know, the, the, the way the synapse works, it's always calibrating. You know, we call it custom calibrated resistance because it's always matching your ability level. And I, I, that kind of brings us to one more point about this is that generally whenever we, uh, train to an adaptation, what we're trying to do is basically get to a certain level of fatigue that sends a signal to our body that says, Hey, we need to get, we need to do this better next time. That's essentially what training is. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it be, you know, I want to get better at playing the guitar, then I have to train my fingers until my fingers understand that this is what I'm asking them to do. So when we're, when we're training in the gym, um, we do these reps and sets because we're trying to get to a certain level of fatigue to get that adaptation. What we can do on the synapse is we get time under tension in a way because of custom mm-hmm. calibrated resistance. I push up as hard as I can. I get pulled down at my max effort. Now my second rep is not going to be as good as my first rep, but I don't have to change the weights. I can stay under tension. Yeah. So 
said we weren't going to get into the weeds, but I'm going to throw one no, more thing okay. in there. Um, that's okay. You're going to, you're going to create what we call a hypoxic environment. So the muscles are under tension. Um, and I know you're quite familiar with this, um, great piece of equipment called Katsu, um, yeah. blood flow restriction. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Like check it out, but it's really great science behind it. But when we're doing these time under tension loads, we're keeping the muscles contracted during the whole time. And that makes it a little more difficult for fresh blood to get into the muscle. So it becomes what we call hypoxic. That helps us recruit higher order muscles, even though we're at max effort all the way. And so there's all kinds of downstream effects of, of being in that hypoxic state within the muscle for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And we can achieve that very well because we're under tension for, you know, w- when you do that protocol, 60 to 90 seconds. Um, and so there's, again, we're, 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 it's a slightly different attack at getting at some of those benefits and we get there very, very quickly. So instead of doing three sets of 10, we do one set of 60 to 90 seconds and yeah, you're done. And you're done. Because that's just how intense it is. That's a, that's a really good point. And the other thing that I think bears mentioning is you never need an advanced synapse. You don't need more weight. You don't, you know what I mean? You don't need the, like it's, you know, when you're, when you're working with resistance bands, you're going to graduate so that you need a a higher resistant band or you're working with weights, you're going to need more weights. The cool thing about the synapse is it will meet you wherever the heck you are. And it doesn't matter how advanced you are. I don't know that there's a point where you outgrow this thing because it just, it's, I don't think the ropes will ever give. Yeah. So, well, that's a, that's a great point. You know, all of this stuff is rated to, uh, 660 pounds of force creation. So so maybe there's an NFL dude somewhere who could break it. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, but it would be like the single leg lunge where they might get there. Um, but it's, but it's, um, you know, as you, as you, as you continue to get stronger, that's one of the upsides and downsides of the piece of equipment is that it never gets you, any easier. <laughs> yeah. That's that, you know, that's where people are like, you know, every time you do that, it's going to be just that hard. Cause even if you're just a little bit stronger, it's going to match you at that point. And, yeah. you know, again, the idea behind that, if you're using it just for the strength aspect is that we, we want to get to that point of failure to send the signal and we want to do it safely. And that's one of the biggest things because there's no weights or bands and there's no stored energy. So if anything feels wrong at a given moment, you can just stop movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And you, you can go from, you know, generally, again, this is another time saver. Normally if you go to the gym to go lift weights, you've got to go spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes getting loose so that you can do Mm the movements yeah. on the synapse. We do a single rep at a slow pace at like 50% of your RPE, your rate of perceived exertion. And that is your warm up because your body's going to put out as much force as it can. And that's, we're going to do things in a slow controlled manner, which allows us to go to max effort within 10 to 15 seconds. Um, you know, we've done this, you know, hundreds, thousands of times with different athletes and, and regular everyday people that, you know, they, they don't even notice it until they get off. And it's like, you know, we didn't warm up and I had you go at max effort. Would yeah. you ever go do that in the gym? And they're sort of like, Oh yeah. I d-. They didn't even think about it, which is even better. Right. I mean that we have to point that out um, that you can go to that level of intensity very quickly. So, you know, for a busy person who's got life responsibilities to say, Hey, can I spend, you know, 10, 12 minutes over there and just, just pump this out without having to warm up and cool down and go stretch. You know, all those things, I can just get this high intensity stimulus in and 
go about my business, right? Yeah. So I don't have to dedicate so much time to my well-being. Yeah. No, it's 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 a huge it's a huge feature of this type of training and to me makes it it's worth whatever learning curve is involved, right? And there is and there yeah. is a learning curve involved. Like this is not no matter who you are and to your point, you know, you've dealt with some of the top strength and conditioning coaches with some of the top elite um, or sports organizations out there and they come to you and they go, okay, I've seen this thing. I've seen the guys use it. Help me to kind of get my head around it. And what happens is once people get their, their head around the basics, then their expertise in whatever sport or movement patterns, their specialist starts to kick in and they're going, well, what about this? Can I do this with it? And I, and I mean, again, I, I saw you with TJ kind of going, uh-huh. And then next thing you know, he's riffing because he was he's used to working with NHL players. And next thing you know, he's like, oh, wait, there's this one thing that they do. And you're like, yeah, and here's how you're going to use it for that. And it's actually really interesting to see people kind of light up and go, wait, so the possibilities are endless. <laughs> or, or, you That's know, that thing, that thing when I said to you, you know, well, when I set it up, to do to work on my chest, for example, I never I'm never sure that I that I set it up at the exact same height as as I did last time. So I'm always going to use it. I'm going to be working my shoulder and my chest at a slightly different angle every single time. And the first time I said this to you, I thought it was a problem, and you laughed at me and you said, "Actually, that's the beauty of this thing because yeah. we're training your your muscles and your joints and your system." in all these possible planes of movement that could be needed at some point. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, that's been one of the more enjoyable aspects of this is to get creative and, and once people get the basic concepts to, to allow them to apply their expertise, because people have all, all kinds of their own expertise and insight into how they might want to improve at a, at a, at a given task. Um, so that's, that's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we had talked about earlier, you know, we, we've been chatting about this for a while, but I, I think we, we both agree that it'd be kind of fun to give out something that people can actually do right on their own. Like they don't need to yeah. go buy, get a synapse, right? I and, mean, you know, I, you know, that's great if you want to get one, but one of the things that you can do so, so to, to confirm uh, what we're talking about is, you know, you could probably relate to this that, you know, if you, if you come home with a bag with groceries, right, you might be able to, you know, take them off the counter and put them back down on the ground. But it might be so heavy that you might not be able to get it quite back up on the counter, right? That's a good demonstration of how your eccentric uh, capabilities higher than your concentric. So one of the ways that you can, you know, just do this for yourself, you could do a bicep curl or an overhead press. And basically you want to make sure you're warm on this one because you're dealing with weights, right? So yeah. <laughs> get warmed up, but pick a weight that might be a little bit too tough for you to actually lift up. So, you know, you're pressing as hard as you can, but it just, you can't get it above your head. And then you're going to take your other hand on the weight and you're going to push it up with both hands. You'll be able to get it up there quite easy. And then you'll find that you can actually lower that weight under control. And that's kind of your confirmation that your eccentric phase is stronger. On top of that, you're actually doing what we call an accentuated eccentric load. So you're absorbing a weight that you simply couldn't lift. And so that's kind of the benefits we've been talking about. So that's something you could be doing. You know, there's, you could do that with a, a bicep curl or an overhead press. And this yeah, is a I, way for you to access that. Yeah. I, I think I would encourage people, if you're going to try this at home on your own, do it with a bicep curl instead of an overhead press, because sure. in a disaster, you over, you over um, estimate your ability 
you fail on the bicep curl, it falls to the ground. You just move your foot out of the way. On the overhead press, you overestimate your ability. You could bonk yourself on the head. So let's just, when you try yeah, this at home by it, yourself, let's keep, let's keep let's it keep to the bicep curl. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, there's even benefit for, for a lot of people to, to just do something like if you're standing with a chair behind you, you know, stand up with both legs, try to lower yourself with one leg under control to the best of your ability and try not to flop into the chair. Try and control that all the way down. That is... It's not a super maximal eccentric load, but it is an eccentric load of some kind. And there's some benefit to doing that. So you can try that out for yourself. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. So <laughs> there's stuff you can try at home. Um, is there anything else we covered that we wanted to cover? So other ways to train eccentric loading, basically find an ARX machine or do what Raj was just describing, basically use two hands to get a weight up and then gradually bring it down. Um, and, um, or, 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 you know, get yourself a spotter uh, and get yourself a, a spotter exactly, and make sure they're really paying attention. I mean, that's the, the challenge with that is that, you know, that I, I, I give that to people, like, like you said, as a, as an opportunity to experience that from a practical standpoint, to do that as a training method over and over again, that becomes problematic because the weights are going to start to get pretty heavy, pretty quick. Um, and you need someone who's really going to pay attention and, and make sure that you're not getting hurt. Right. That's one of the biggest limitations around eccentric loading. And as you said, there's, there's, a, there's an ARX, there's a, there's a handful, you know, there's a, a new one called speed fit. There's, um, there's, there's, there's a handful of, there's a couple this yeah. is becoming more and more common because people are understanding that the value of this type of training is, is there. Um, and they're great machines. They're, they're, they're super, they're, they're, they're quite, they're quite hefty price wise, yeah. but if you have access to them, go check them out. Cause you'll, you'll be surprised at, at, at how, how challenging and how efficient this, this type of training can be. For right? sure. So, and I think, you know, to recap the benefits of this type of training is better strength, um, better neurological, like, you know, brain to muscle connection yep. kind of thing. Um, efficiency yep. of movement, reduction of injury potentially and, and safer rehab and also the ability to exercise or, and build strength for people who otherwise might not have access to exercise is in conditions you were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. So there's, there's sort of multiple fronts on which, you know, this, this sort of training is valuable across all these demographics and, and, you know, there's, there's a purely mechanical, stronger, more flexible, you know, those are sort of the mechanical aspects, you know, there's, you know, we didn't get into it, but there's a hormonal aspect to it, which is valuable. You know, when you're under those types of loads, the yeah. growth hormone, yeah, the growth secretions, hormone yeah. uh, you know, there's, there, there's, you know, there's, there's a hormonal aspect to it. There's a neuro- neurological aspect to it. So, um, you know, the benefits are high. And, and the reason it's interesting is because, you know, and maybe this is why you said secret weapon might be the, the title of the thing is because even in the, even in the fitness industry, I think people at some point came across the value of eccentric loading, but the practicality of it became such a stumbling block that people weren't, aren't really doing it in that fashion. Right. And one quick distinction, you know, if we lower a weight that we can lift very, very slowly, a lot of people consider that eccentric training and it mm-hmm. is, uh, don't mistake that that's not eccentric, training, but it's, there's a big distinction between that and when you're lowering a weight that you can't actually lift. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's a distinction that has distinct, um, some of the benefits we're talking about are distinct to that type of training. 
Yeah. And so that's where, um, like I said, even in the fitness industry, uh, people are very good at what they do. This is not as well tapped as it could be. And like I said, that's being evidenced by the fact that it's emerging. We're getting these new pieces of equipment. We're getting these people that are saying, Hey, wait, we can tap into this aspect of performance that we haven't gotten the most out of yet. And people are just trying to innovate new ways to do that. So um, I think you're going to start to see, if you haven't heard of it already, you're probably going to start to hear about it more and more in the next handful of years. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, to your point, it's the overloading. Yeah. It's the concept of overloading in a, in with, but with a measure of safety, which is, which are two things that don't, those are two terms that don't generally come together. Right. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. Usually as resistance goes up, risk goes up. And yeah. what's fun about synapse in particular is that you're able to go at max capacity um, without, uh, we, we reduce the risk of injury dramatically, actually. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, so. yeah, it's one of the many things and the hormonal benefits, actually, I'm sorry, we didn't get into those, but Obviously, it's, you know, it's it's a little bit like we talk about it with Katsu, right? Like because you're in the under those hypoxic conditions, the brain is receiving a message that there's trouble on the horizon. Like there's there's a problem. And when there's a problem, it shoots out growth hormone, um, which helps to build more muscle. (laughs) Well, build more muscle, repair tissue, you know, all kinds of all kinds of great things can happen. You know, I mean, obviously there's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a world that, that, that people are looking to, you know, potentially, uh, add growth hormone into their systems, you know, and if we can create that endogenously, that's, that's also a good situation, right. Where we don't, you know, anytime, you know, those, those are things that we're messing with a lot of factors and you know, far more about this than I do. This is, that's your world of how to, how to, how to, navigate that world properly but you know if you can do that endogenously without having to oh yeah to adjunct that it's you know you do, you don't have to mess with as many variables yeah you know, no so absolutely i mean nice look before, i think that anything we can do to to stimulate the natural production of growth hormone in our bodies without bringing it in exogenously exogenously or even you know i think you're referring to peptides like there are peptides sure. that can stimulate the body's production of growth hormone but there's always a possibility even there of overdoing it where you're not going to get excess growth hormone um, side effects from doing this type of training or from doing sauna or from lifting right, heavy right. weights. Like your body, right. basically, it's going to be dose dependent. It's going to release as much growth hormone as it thinks you need to repair the damage and to recover. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, there's a big distinction there. So I think that this way, these these uh, these strategies to improve our growth hormone secretion, which naturally goes down as we age, and maybe it's because, as we were talking about before, we're not putting the same demands on our system, and so the body's like, well, we don't need as much, right? And so yeah, it's, it's difficult. I don't think we know the answer to that. Really, I is don't it think is so it either. is it a natural decline, or is it that we? to do the things that demand that of our bodies. Um, well, and you, and, uh, you, know, you I, spoke to it earlier, right? You said like, yeah. I mean, things start, you know, running starts to hurt. So we start to walk. Walking starts to yeah. become hard. So we walk less, you know, eventually yeah. We, yeah. we start to narrow our own. And, you know, again, there could be other reasons why growth hormone secretion goes down. Like it's a chicken or the egg thing, obviously. Right. Right. But this is definitely 
this is a strategy that can encourage the body to maybe ramp it up a bit. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's all this in percentages, right? All this stuff is percentages. It's not, you have growth hormone or you don't. No, it's, yeah. it's, can, can we slide that to a, to a range that, that gives us, again, that muscle preservation, the ability to recover from things a little, little bit quicker, you know, as we age. So it's, it's all on that sliding scale. And, you know, I think that's what all of us are up to, you know, it's, it's trying to figure out ways to maximize wherever we are on that scale as far to the positive direction as we can, whether it be, you know, um, your world that you're working with and how you're helping people or whether it be, you know, strength training or, or whatever it is. So yeah, hopefully we're all moving in that direction. <laughs> it's all part of the big, beautiful puzzle, right? There you so, go. Yeah. So Raj, why don't you tell people where they can find you? And I know we had an offer for the audience, but first let's tell them a little bit more about where they can find you, where they can find out more about synapse and, see some of your amazing videos because you do, you do great work on Instagram and on your website. And I think maybe even on YouTube. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, the website is synapse, S Y N A P S E dash CCR.com. Um, that'll get you kind of, uh, into the sort of main, you can, you, there's a lot of information on there. You can poke around on the website. There's videos. If you look on there, there's actually a video series that sort of discusses eccentric training. Some of what we've talked about today and maybe a little bit, uh, some of the other things maybe we didn't get to, um, YouTube, uh, you can get through, through the website to YouTube as well. Um, there's some, there's some stuff content there. And then Instagram is synapse underscore CCR. Um, and trying to post stuff, somewhat regularly around that. Um, uh, if you have a lot of interest, uh, we do have a certification course, which is a lot of fun. We learn how to do the basic concepts of the synapse, um, kind of how it operates and how to use it. And then we get, uh, into the creative zone, which is really, really fun because people get to explore things that are relevant to them. Um, and so they can create movements that, uh, will have an impact on what's important to them, whether it be, you know, throwing a pitch or hitting a backhand or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, um, and we also, for the audience, we have uh, for the first 20 people who decide they want to take the leap and get their own synapse and start to play and explore for themselves. Um, if you use discount code NAT, you will get free shipping, but way more valuable than that you will get a free 15 minute consult with this man direct one-on-one um so he can walk you through basically how you're gonna you know set up your synapse and some of the basics on how to use it yeah and so that you know that i i look forward to catching up with anybody who's listening but um my recommendation around that is um get through the content on the website if you do choose to take that path there's a lot of information on there because when we get on, if, if you've had a little bit of experience messing with it, um, we can make the most of your time. Like we can really mm-hmm. dial in things for your interest. You know, if, if you've got, you know, you want to run a marathon or you want to uh, be able to lift your grandkids, maybe I don't, you know, whatever it is, whatever right. It is. Whatever your yeah. goal is, we can start to say, okay, let's start carving out a pathway towards that and see if we can find a really efficient way to get, the, get you there as efficiently as we can. Fabulous. I love it. Raj, (laughs) thank you so much. This was absolutely and totally worth the wait for me. This is a great (laughs) conversation. Um, And I look forward to many more. 
Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure chatting. Likewise. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up today's episode, I'd love to invite you to join my biohacking superhuman performance community, aka the BSP community. This is a place where we dive deeper into longevity science, peptides, and bioregulators. If you're looking to get into the nitty gritty on these larger topics, this is the place for you. Plus, we hold weekly Q&A sessions, either with myself or with special guests for live interviews for you to join, and you can ask questions to the community for everyone to answer along with myself. It's an amazing community. If you want to join, head over to natnidham.com forward slash BSP dash community to join or find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning into today's episode. I wish you all the best this week in your biohacking superhuman performance. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the biohacking superhuman performance podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.